Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot. Yeah. And who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor, uh, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Mills inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. As you see, Mike Washington and Charles Bishop are out on assignment. So I bring in the next best thing. I bring in the whole visiting and clinical crew of professors in today. I bring in the Brian and AD Sports Rap duo to bring to make sure that you can get the HBCU latest and greatest news. So we're going to do it just like that. Welcome to episode 252 of Inside the HBCU Sports Live Radio Show and Podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports from institutions, large and small, from NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Khalil, along with my co-professors, if you would, in the Lyceum, as I said, we have Professor Drew, Professor Fulford uh, in the house officially, hanging in there, making sure they get it done for Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. So we're filming from our home studios and sing- sending a signal live to KCLA 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer, I should say, Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas, at least for myself. I'll say that. Today's episode of Inside HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency, LLC. THG Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. I would be remiss and watch me make this HBCU connection. Um, let's congratulate Judge Katanji Brown Jackson on being named to the Supreme Court, and that's the United States Supreme Court. Yes, the first female African-American, Black, whichever term you prefer to use. I like that, standing at attention. And HBCU connection, for those that have not heard by now, that's probably under a rock that hadn't been falling it, are HBCU graduates, alumni from North Carolina Central. The Eagles fly, fly, fly high, as they like to say in those parts. I'm sure they're proud as much as or even more than we are in so many different ways. So I know we just got out of Women's History Month in terms of March, but we're going to keep it going a little bit uh, because there's a news report out there coming from Coach Adams, uh, Twitter posted out there in terms of 2022, Driven Elite Pro Day Prospects, talks about the fact that you are likely to hear HBCU women's basketball player going in the draft, and that's the WNBA draft. In the mock draft, they have Amisha Williams-Holiday, 6'4", 
forward from Jackson State, is projected to hear a name called according to ESPN's final mock draft. She is projected to go 26, and that would be to Phoenix. Um, and so that would be big-time news. Let me get your thoughts on that, Professor Fullfoot. What are your thoughts on the news here? And then we'll chase down and see what Professor Drew has to say. But let's start with you, Brian. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I first off, um, I think – I had to I had to look it up myself to be perfectly honest to make sure how many rounds the WNBA had. I'm so used to the NBA and their two rounds. Everything's sort of been scaled right. down. You know, I actually remember there was a time when there used to be uh, like 12 rounds in the NBA, and then it went to seven, and now it's like two, or maybe I don't. Maybe I'm thinking of the NFL where they used to That's have it. Yeah. Two, you know, two and you done. That's it. Yeah, two and, two and done. They said. Yeah, so I mean, you got to imagine there are twelve teams, and that's another. So, so see, we're this all education, right? Uh, we're educating people. There's three rounds in the WNBA draft. There are twelve teams in the WNBA. Probably many. I mean, if you quiz a hundred people, they wouldn't know. They probably throw all kinds of numbers at the wall. So, the fact that she's projected <laughs> twenty six, do the math. That puts her probably into the third round could even possibly move her way into late second round, which is great. I mean, let's let's keep it real. I mean, she's by far one of the most dominating players in uh, HBCU basketball, and uh, we, we're rooting for her. I mean, she has been uh, – in, in order for this thing to continue going forward, she has to be drafted. She has to make a presence on the next level. We need her on a team – uh, I mean, it's a tremendous, you know, the amount of years it's been since an HBCU player was drafted. I mean, my goodness. I mean, it, we, we complain about guys not being drafted in the NFL and other places. But when you look at how long it's been since a woman has been drafted in WNBA, we should be pounding on the table like, what the heck? You know, so uh, I hope it happens for her. Uh, she's very well deserving. Hope it happens. To your point, Brian points that you're making there but the last players that were drafted would be 2002 when there were three players drafted in that draft that would be andrea garden from howard who went in the second round and she was the 27th pick to utah which lets you know at that time there were more wnba teams uh than the current 12 that you mentioned ambia gongola from north carolina central went in the fourth round that year which was the 56th overall pick to Phoenix. And Jocelyn Winfield is the last player to go from the SWAC, who was also a fourth-round pick that was 59th, dressed right after Ambia, obviously, who also went to Utah. So that year, Utah had two HBCU players drafted. There have been five HBCUs drafted over the time, which means you go back to 1998 when Karen Wilkins, also of Howard, Fourth-round pick, the 38th overall pick that year, went to Phoenix. And then you had 1997 when Danique Graves, Howard, second-round 15th overall pick, which happened to be the highest person ever drafted in the WNBA uh, with a 15-round pick, uh, and at that time was a second round, who was just outside of the first round, if you think about it, during those days, uh, which was huge. So you have three power players of the five. <laughs> that have been picked. So fascinating. With that being said, let me go to you, Professor Drew. 
and get your thoughts on what do you meant. Brian talked about the fact that this would be significant in terms of taking the next step, which would mean also making the team. Uh, but uh, Professor Drew, what are your thoughts on this? Doc, you did it once again. You, st- you stole my opening point. It's one thing for one of these two young ladies to get drafted. But drafting them does not mean squat if they don't make the team. Mm. So, so, you know, if you're not going to make – if they're not going to be, be drafted with an opportunity to make the team, they're, they're better off being UFDAs, undrafted free agents, then they can find a team that wants them and that they want in that case. Let's take let's take a step back in time. Uh, just over a year ago, Dr. Kavir, when we had – a player who signed a free agent contract who was an HBCU player, that being Ashika Alexander of Langston Langston. University. Right. Exactly. She uh, signed a contract with the Minnesota Lynx. I almost said Timberwolves, but with the Minnesota Lynx. (laughs) And, uh, you know, went through training camp. But uh, unfortunately, was not able to make the team. But luckily for her, she had one year of eligibility remaining. And NAI rules are a little bit more liberal than NCAA rules. She was actually able to go back and compete on the NAIA level after having that pro experience. So we've had our hopes up before. We had our hopes up last year that uh, Ashika was going to make the team. And she, she did not. So let's... Yes, let's root for these two young ladies to be drafted. Let's also root for uh, other players to be signed as free agents, such as a Deja Rogue and such as a, a Sheikah Alexander, who uh, Alexander, who's draft eligible once again. Let let let's root for, let's root for that to happen. In addition to these players with the ability to be drafted. Well, let's give some more love to the women out there since uh, so much pride is going out there. But before I do that, let me give a shout out to some of the lab listeners. Jimmy Wilson, good evening, faculty. Lab, I made class. Ain't on time, Jimmy. Credit to you, you're on time, man. I might have to give you an extra uh, 10 points on your quiz today. Chuck Hunt is in the house as always. Ricky Burton, Noel Price, D. I love, I see, uh, Brent Brunson. Karen Griffin, hello everybody. Yes, Shanetta Chrysler. I hope I said that right. Uh, give me a pronunciation. I certainly like to say people's name correctly. Edwin Dwight Moore, showing us some love as always. Troy Franklin, Mary Allen, Varick Williams. Yeah, I know Varick in the house. Go Jags. Yeah, y'all swept them. TSU Tiger last week. Very feeling good. He tried to tell everybody to calm down. The Jaguars would be right in it, and sure enough. They had a chance to make a statement and they did. With that being said, uh, I wanted to say a shout out to Howard Makes History by hiring first uh, woman in full-time football position. Big news, shout out to Howard, finding a way to get it done, and that's Janice uh, Petty John, if you would. And then you also had the fact that Lincoln's women's basketball coach, Janice Washington, wins Coach of the Year Award. So a lot of big-time news out there for the women, making sure we celebrate them and all things in this powerful day in uh, the history uh, of the United States of America. With that being said, I'm going to go back to you, Drew. What news do you have on top of your head that's just out there that you want to make sure people are aware of in the HBCU landscape? 
Let's go to the CIAA. And this ought to make a friend of the show, Willie Alex Hines, happy that we went to the CIAA. Elizabeth no City Dames, interim athletic director, uh, James DeBose, uh named him as the interim athletic director. DeBose you know you got to get that junior in there. You know them junior folks. Junior. Them. I'm sorry. James <laughs> being DeBose Junior. Junior. Got to do it like Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> Got to get that Junior in. Uh, DeBose joins the uh, Viking family. C- coming from Winston-Salem, where he has served in a variety of roles, most recently as a senior associate athletic director for development and administration. Uh, so, uh, shout out to uh, Elizabeth City. And, you know, we talk about Conference churning, coaches churning, athletic directors have been churning also, Dr. Kavir. There's still a couple of them uh, out there who, who need to uh, finish being churned. Some of them have the interim title and those titles have not been removed and given the permanent position. So, But I, I'm going to go back to what Mike uh, Washington said a couple of weeks ago. Whether you're the interim, whether you, whether you're the full time, once you when you had that job, you had the job because they're going to evaluate you the same. Whether you're the interim or whether you're the uh, full time, the only difference is once you're the full time, they 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 take the uh, they take the screws and, and loosen them up a little bit and give you a little bit more freedom. When you're interim, you ha- you have to really report to make sure that you have your boss's blessing. Very true. And to your point, I was serving as acting dean of the College of Education at Texas Southern University, and you are absolutely correct. They make sure that you understand that you have all the responsibility and all the work that needs to be done. They make sure you understand it needs to be done. With that being said, let me give a shout out. Karen Griffin has always given us this great academic type news. Voorhees College is now Voorhees University. Dr. Howard Barty Jr. at Prairie View University, professor of sport management and kinesiology out in that way. He says, what's going on, professors? He's in the house, giving, always giving great updates on his Facebook site. Uh, Troy says, hey, only one Troy allowed on here, and that's me, hashtag Aggies do. Man, Troy, you're being a little tough today. You don't even want people to share your name. It'd be different if it was one of those unique names, but you know, there are a <laughs> Troy's out there. No, I don't. All right. Okay, Troy. Hey, B, I ain't never had Them that Aggies, problem with just, my real name. Exactly, Aggies <laughs> is just different about it. Yeah, me neither with Kenyatta. Who's going to the uh, other than Jomo Kenyatta, but yeah. Big time name. Brian, what, what's on your mind in terms of some of the HBCU news out there? What did you want to share that you make sure the people are paying attention to? Well, if you don't mind me going off script a little bit, I got to talk about the decision or I guess the it's game. Your world. It's your world. Go whatever direction you want to go. Professor. In 20, 2023, September 2nd, I believe, 2023, Tennessee State University will be playing in a historic game as they would travel to Notre Dame, Indiana, taking on the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Uh, It is the first time that Notre Dame has played an FCS opponent. Um, Obviously, since the whole 1AA FCS thing became a thing uh, in the late 70s, this will be the first time. It'll also be the first time that Notre Dame has played an HBCU. And so all of the synergy that's happening around Tennessee State with Eddie George. Notre Dame, just in case you didn't know, has an African-American head coach, uh, Marcus Freeman, uh, for the second time in the school's history, hoping that works out better 
than the last African-American who had the job. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it's a it's a historic moment. I had a chance to watch the press conference. And, you know, the ties that really tie Eddie George and Marcus Freeman is that uh, they, they come out of Ohio State. Of course, we're familiar with Eddie George being a, a Heisman Trophy winner and, and a, a Hall of Famer out of Ohio State. But uh, Marcus Freeman also is a Buckeye. And, um, you know, that probably had a little something to do with. But what I found fascinating and listened to the press conference is that there was about an 18-month process of communication that went on. And I will, you know, I, I got to give Notre Dame, we talk about, I guess maybe it's because if you have money, you can do certain things when you're in a power situation, you can do things. But Notre Dame's athletic director, I have a feeling given how well things went with the, with the men's basketball contest where Notre Dame went to Howard to play a basketball game that was on Fox. And I thought that was a, it was a, it was a great game. Howard had a chance to, I believe either, tie, go to overtime, and win on the last possession. Uh, and, and Howard looked like they belonged. You know, I mean, that was a great game. Notre Dame went there to Bird Gymnasium. And so I got a feeling that, you know, that sort of opened the door to really make this possible. And then when you start looking at like schedules and I, I with all the openings happening in the OVC for Tennessee State, I got to imagine they had some opening, uh, some open games that they needed to fill. Uh, so it kind of it kind of worked itself out where this game is going to happen. You know, it's a it's a one off. There's no home at home, but it was kind of interesting hearing uh, Eddie George really talk about some things and open the door to some things as questions were asked, such as uh, the expansion of Hale Stadium in Nashville on the campus of TSU, which. My sister is a TSU alum. That is a big source of contention with a lot of TSU alums about playing on campus versus traveling to Nissan uh, where the Titans play and where TSU has been playing some of their bigger games. Also, field turf was a topic that came up uh, at that uh, for, for TSU. And, and then, of course, what? Eddie George opened the door to possibly – yeah, we may be looking at going to the FBS. You know, it's like, what? You went? So – Eddie George just, you know, take advantage, step through the door and open up everything and throw it all out on the table and kind of see how it hits and lands. But uh, shout out to Tennessee State for uh, and Notre Dame University for making that game. And uh, I hope uh, my sister and her alums and friends will go. Uh, I hope I, I I think the band. Ooh, don't get me wrong here. Tennessee's band name the. Ooh, the Thank you. I knew it was the aristocrats. I just didn't know if it was some other thing. You know, I'm not supposed aristocrats to aristocrats of bands. Yeah, I'm not supposed to know the whole name. But anyway, you know, it, it's a <laughs> shout out to shout, so I, I hope they go and perform a good show and I hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, they also talked about the academic factor, Tennessee State, um, a great academic institution, as well as, you know, their history of playing on the football field. I mean, we understand they have the most black college national champions. They have uh, over five. I was just looking this up for a second. Uh, over 555 wins or ac actually right at 555 wins. So there's a lot of history there at Tennessee State. And so, you know, that's one of the blue blood HBCU football programs. So for that program, I, I'm not going to lie. I wish it were a Florida A&M that was going. But, you know, this is this is just as good. This is on the scale of a of a Grambling, 
uh, Florida A&M, somebody that's got that legacy and you can talk about names because you know you're going to get hit with a lot of history, Notre Dame history. Well, guess who also has a lot of history? That's Tennessee State. And so, yes, it's a a big opportunity to merge and talk about history. It's a great branding opportunity issue. Great points made there. And we'll come back on the end of the break and we'll get into – uh, the baseball polls is Black College Nine releases their baseball polls, both what they call small and large division, mid-major and major divisions, we call it over here. But I do want to get your thoughts on that FBS, the fact that you talk it. We've heard a little bit about that in terms of the SWAC, uh, but they've been more silenced about it. But you have Eddie George putting it out there to some degree. He's also the one that talked about conference churning, that Tennessee State needed to lead the OVC. So he's been outspoken in a lot of ways, uh, much like you see Deion Sanders maybe uh, doing it a slightly different, but he speaks his mind, certainly. So we'll be right back on the, out, on the other side of this break, and we'll get into it a little more about uh, your general thoughts on FBS, and then we'll get into uh, the release of the Black College Nines poll rankings. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best black college baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for black baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot laughing. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. Up there for that. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. No, they're out on assignment. So we have Professor Fulford and Professor Drew. That's Brian and AD of Sports Rap. As we said, one of the things before we came out of this, I did want to give a shout out as Karen Griffin asked, uh, uh, will this game be on NBC? 
as she then backed up and said, all Notre Dame home games are NBC. So I'm almost sure that will be the case, that it will be on there. I see Stephen Miller late for class. That's all right. Just make sure you come up to the front. You know what the rules are in the class. <laughs> Don't go to the back. Come on up to the front. Dr. Roderick Holmes, man, we got all the doctors, professors in class today. It must be a faculty senate uh, meeting today or something like that. All these families, uh, people coming in here, making sure they get their updated news in terms of what's going on in the sports world. Troy Franklin is in here, as I said. James Knox. But I wanted to get back to the point. Eddie George put out the fact that at one point they're looking at FDS. If you follow Tennessee State, they've been quietly uh, churning and talking about the fact that they've heard um, their athletic director, Dr. Mickey Allen, talk about one of his goals. I think he said it in the paper there about going FDS. Um, we've heard back when fam, you first came to the SWAT. One of the reasons they kind of leaked out of that, that they looked at that is the commissioner's plan about SWAT going FBS, but this is about Tennessee State, and I want to get your thoughts quickly before we get into the polls. I'll start with you, Drew. Do you like the idea of being out front and putting out there that there is a desire at one point to go FBS, or do you like the approach that maybe you a little more quiet, reserved, keeping up, doing all the grunt work, if you would, on the backside, um, and then at the at a much later time maybe being a little more open about going FBS? What are your thoughts? I mean, there's nothing wrong with putting out there, uh, seeing the feelers, seeing the alumni's uh, response, because obviously if you go into FBS, you're going to need more alumni and corporate sponsorships. But Tennessee Tennessee State Tigers, let, let me tell you from experience, don't get your hopes up. You know, we went through this in the late 90s into the early 2000s with Florida A&M University when they were trying to go uh, Division One, and things didn't go right. Some of it some of it were, was our own fault, but things did, didn't go right, didn't get to that level. Uh, A&T has been flirting with it for the last five years or so, and maybe the move to the Big South slash CAA may be the forerunner to that, but fans. Don't get your hope up. This will not happen tomorrow. This will not happen next week. This is a process. It, it's, it's about a 10-year process to uh, go to uh, to FBS. And FAM was more than halfway to, on, on that 10-year process when we had those uh, that unfortunate incidents or incidents that came out. Great point. And I'm glad you brought that, that on there, that it is a extended process and the consulting work I've done, I've talked about the fact that it is more like a 10 year process. Now to move to 1A, um, you can do that much quicker, you know, over three, four, even five year period. You've kind of seen this with Liberty, uh, but traditionally, uh, unlike moving up from division two or NA to division one, they have the rule now that if you move up to division one, you have to have a conference to go to. But if you are in division one, it's much easier in terms of moving from the FCS to the FBS, uh, because you can be an independent. Now that's a very challenging position to be in. And it's very difficult to do that uh, in terms of scheduling and things of the nature. You really want to have a conference to go to. Uh, you've seen Liberty out there. They did it for a couple of years. Uh, BYU by choice. But even when they had a chance to come to Power 5, they ultimately joined the Big 12 in this last round of churning that took place. And somebody put out there that Conference USA has 11. And you're right. That is probably a, a, a fit in terms of them looking for members. And 
the last couple of folks that they pulled over have been FCS programs that went up. But you really have to understand it's not going to be just about the fact that you want to be FBS. They're going to do a serious look in terms of what you're doing. So a lot of work has to be done in terms of your facility, which they're talking about. But those are not going to be quick fixes. Your financial impact in terms of making sure that you move to the 200 level uh, in terms of giving overall uh, scholarships, which is a significant battle. People don't realize when you give the 63 full scholarships at the uh, FCS level, you tend to break those up. If you go to uh, FBS, you have to give full scholarships uh, in terms of the 85 level. There's no partials and there's no giving it up. So that's a significant financial impact. And then you have to do it, obviously, for the women's sports to make sure that you have a balance for Title IX. Quickly, uh, Professor Fulford, what are your thoughts in terms of putting it out there or do you wait and kind of do the work first? I think the reason you have to put it out there is because of the situation you're in where everybody in your conference, you moved into the OVC in 1988. Uh, 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 and so the, the stability of the OVC has been ripped from up underneath your, your feet, really. And so you're in a situation uniquely where you've got to put it out there. And hopefully, as you're putting it out there, you're also, you're also putting out there the financial numbers, many of which you just talked about, that it's going to take. Because, trust me, if, if Hugh Jackson is saying, hey, all we need is $5 million, well, I'm, I guarantee Eddie George is saying, we need a lot more than $5 million to make this happen. But we can make it happen, and this is what it's going to take. So this is the first step in saying this is what it will bring us. This is what it looks like. We can get there, guys. Uh, but we got ahead of money. So that, you know, why not start from in front, let everybody know what the goal is, and then you can get there, circle the wagons, and you can get there in about, I don't know, five years, maybe, if you're lucky. Great points by both. I'm glad you did that. Well, let me get into the Black College Nines top 10 poll rankings, if you would. I'm only going to give you the top five. Um, then we'll get into the break. Um, and you can go to blackcollegenines.com and get the entire top 10. But the top five are Flo Florida Memorial out of the Sun Conference, uh, 17 and 15. Um, they were six and three this last week. VCM previously they were nine, so they move up in the poll. At number four, Miles College out of SIEC. Um, they were three and three over the last two weeks. Previous poll ranking was five, so they also move up. They're at 18 and 12. You have at number three, Payne College. Uh, 13 and five overall. They were three and two over the last two weeks, previous rank three, so they stay right there. And number two, Albany State uh, were six and zero oh over the last couple of weeks, 18 and 17, previous rank two, they stayed right there. Probably could have had a chance to move up, but you have Savannah State in the SIC with them in that same Eastern Division. They were also 16 and 0, oh, including big wins over Miles, if you would, sweeping them. They were previous ranked number one. They remain number one, 24 and six playing for a really good baseball. Um, and we'll do that. Let's get into this break. We'll come right back after this break. I think uh, Drew will have to make an exit. So it'll be Brian, and we'll talk a little bit more of his thoughts on the poll ranking. We'll get in the large division, let you know what's going on there. And then we'll talk about some of these baseball matchups coming up for this week. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break, giving you some more updates on the HBC sporting scene. We're talking about baseball on the HBC Black College Sports, both small and large division, mid-major and major division program 
Stickers will be right back as we get into the fifth inning. We'll start looking for that seventh inning stretch. Stick with us. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Test the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love you, and who the ball, So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside HBC Sports Lab. Great. You see the pitching as we gave honor and kudos in terms of the first African-American Black Supreme Court justice uh, was named today. Man, that's big time when you talk about Katanji Brown Jackson. Uh, all the mess that was going on at the end of the day it got done. Um, I have some other things to say, but it's not a political show, so we'll let that go. I do want to get your thoughts in terms of the top five programs. Like you said, everybody can go to the website and get the entire 10. And there are eight HBCU programs with winning records in the small school division. So uh, getting in terms of the top five is significant in terms of the movement. Um, Not a lot of changes when you get in the top three, if you would. Going with you, Professor Fulbert, what are your thoughts in terms of the top five programs in the small school poll rankings for Black College Nines? Really impressed by what Savannah State did. I mean, uh, Michael Coker was on our show, uh, I think, a couple weekends ago and explaining that Savannah State, a very experienced ball club. And so heading into that Miles College game, that was that it was that opportunity to really separate themselves. So they they did. I think watch out for Florida Memorial. It'll be interesting to kind of see how this you know, shakes out in the eight teams that actually make it to the uh, Black College World Series. I, I think we, we're going to have some some good baseball, some exciting teams, but um, props to Savannah State. And uh, I'm curious, they don't play Albany State until I looked it up earlier. I think it's late April. So Ooh, there's still a, yeah, so there's still a few weeks before the showdown between one versus two. And then they potentially may have to see each other in the conference tournament, which, you know, that that's a whole other set of uh, challenges in itself. Oh, I love it. Great points you're making there. Drew, what are your thoughts, top five? Uh, 
A, be careful, be careful, Savannah State. Uh, look deep, look deep at their opponents. Uh, have not played the best opponents outside of the uh, SIAC. So, they, I mean, they, they they've beaten who they who's in front of them, but still a little bit of a buyer beware on that. Same thing with Payne. You know, Payne's a, a NCC AA school. You know. Got, got some questions about the, about their schedule and their, and their strength of schedule, even despite their number three ranking. And if you're Miles, how can how can you get swept and move up in the polls? Just got to ask that question. <laughs> I like it. Some of the voters out there getting too excited, man. Go do your homework, as Drew says. As Mike <laughs> would say, "Look at your data points. Give it, look at your data points. Do your homework. Come on, voter." Let's go into the large poll and see if there's that type of controversy, if you would, allow us to use that framing. And number five, you have Florida AM out of the SWAC. Six and three, previous rank nine. So they move up four spots. They're 12 and 17 on the season. But over the last two weeks, they've gone six and three. And number four, Prairie View AM, eight and two over that period of time, 13 and 15, as they are at number three. Uh, they were not ranked. So you talk about making a significant jump. At number three, Texas Southern University, three and five over the last two weeks. They were top in the division. Just to tell you how tight the West is, after they get swept by Southern, they are in fourth place. Top three teams are tied, which one of them is Prairie View. Bring us number two, Bethune Cookman out of the SWAC, five and four over the last two weeks, previous rank three. They move up a spot, 13 and 15, even though they lost a couple of games. Good midweek win, though. Bring us to number one. Alabama State remains at number one, going just four and four over the week. They do have a winning record of 15 and 13. I have some changes there. I have Bethune Cookman at the top. I had Alabama State a little lower. Uh, Prairie View, I did have jumping up. I had Southern above them getting that switch over Texas Southern. That's interesting. But I want to get your thoughts. I'm going to start with you, uh, Professor Fulford, large division, top five. Any concerns about this top five this week? Uh, I, I I will deny this if anybody repeats this to me on some other shows that I appear on, but Florida A&M as a five, rank number five, that might be a little fool's gold. And I say that because they have swept the two worst teams in the SWAC East. They swept Mississippi Valley State and they swept Alabama A&M. Now, I'm not supposed to say that in other places, but I'm just keeping it real here in the, in the lab. So, but again, I will deny that if anybody brings that back up in other places. I don't care that it's on wax. Uh, oh, anyway. that's something like maybe the old O and G strike zone. No, nope, I didn't say that. I understand. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, no, but I I, I want to see them do it against uh, one of the upper echelon teams, and and I, they're they're sitting a game behind Alabama State and Bethune, and uh, you know. That, that's a big series upcoming this weekend. The traveling to Daytona Beach, take on the Wildcats. It's a big rival. Uh, I, I'll take one out of three. Two out of three would be tremendous. That would be great. Um, I think that might even get them into a tie situation if I'm doing the math here. But uh, I, I'll take one out of three. I'll take competitive ball game because right now the pitching for AM has gotten better. The hitting has woken up. But again, Asterisk based on who they played. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to throw it like this, man. Uh, Brian comes out there. That's a wild pitch. And it's gotten behind the catcher. So we're going to take a back <laughs> drive and go back a little bit. Because Eric Evans says, just like in football, 
We own Albany. We will win SIAC in baseball. Ooh, Savannah State fan talking. Noah's Drew, we're talking about the large uh, school division, though. Top five, what are your thoughts? Are you in agreement with Professor Fulford or Professor Drew? Do you have some other things that concern you about the top five, or is it just right? Hello, MEAC. Uh, anybody from the MEAC home? Can I get a MEAC team in the top five? No, uh, no, they don't even come in. You don't even see a BAC teacher. You get down nine. to number they have eight. Two teams eight in and nine. But they get in eight and nine. But the so rest it, of the poll, you can go to the website and see. We're not going to give you everything here. Yeah. But Professor Drew is right on the money. Where is the MEAC? Yeah. Don't so even it, think about A&T. Yeah. Right. So is, is, is the SWAC biased? Or it, is, the SWAC that, is the SWAC that good? And unfortunately, unlike the – you know, we don't have a celebration bowl for baseball yet. But uh, yeah, you know, would 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 the BAC, despite having the quote unquote inferior teams, beat the SWAC in a one on one matchup? Would be interested to see, but don't think we're gonna see it this year. Well, let's do this. Let's talk about um, these records and where they stand. Just to remind everybody, as you bring that up, before we go into our last break, if you would. Um, so everybody's clear on the picture. What you're referring to is when you look at the East Division of baseball, you have Albany State and Bethune-Cookman at 7-2, and two, tied for first. Um, Brian talked about the fact that FAMU sweeps Valley and Alabama A&M. FAMU is at 5-3 and three in the third spot right now. And those two things, those two teams, Mississippi Valley State and Alabama A&M, are sitting at 3-6. and six. Jackson State, surprising everybody, is 1-8. and eight. They have an intriguing matchup this week where they play Mississippi Valley State. If they can't sweep that, at least get two out of three, it might be Katie Barr the door, and it's over for them in terms of even making the tournament. And it's going to basically come down to Valley and Alabama A&M. It really gets interesting in the West. When you have Prairie View A&M, Ramblin State, and Southern, after Southern swept Texas Southern, they're all in first sitting at six and three. Texas Southern is a game back at five and four. And you have the Prairie View Texas Southern matchup. We'll talk about the baseball matchup this weekend in the last segment. But I did want to give you a breakdown. And then you have Alcorn State sitting at one and eight, really struggling, much like Jackson State. Ooh, who would have thought the Mississippi schools would be led by Mississippi Valley in baseball? Hey, I'm just saying. In terms of the MEAC, you have Coppin State at seven and five, Delaware State at six and six, Maryland Eastern Shore at six and six, Norfolk State that won it last year. They're sitting at five and seven. Yeah, they're in last place, but they're only two games back. So that's something to keep your minds on. And then let's make sure Shivery's not dead. Give some love to softball uh, in terms of leading the pack. I won't go through the whole uh, teams, but Jackson State sitting at eight and four and Alabama State right behind them at seven and five. One game back in the loss column is also Bethune-Cookman. One less win, though. They're sitting at six and five. In terms of the West, it's led by Texas Southern. Ten and two, those Texas schools are getting it done right behind them. It's Prairie View, eight and four. And they lost two out of three to Texas Southern. Southern is sitting at seven and five in terms of being three games back. And then everybody else, as you will see, top eight teams in softball. Look at a couple of teams at the top, led by Maryland Eastern Shore at eight and one. You have Norfolk State and Morgan State, as well as North Carolina. Central sitting in the second position. All of them at six and three. Go to you, Drew. Last thoughts, baseball, softball, anything in terms of those records. Uh, your uh, thoughts in terms of anybody got an early edge that you're excited about or any team that disappoints you in terms of where they are right now? I, I'm going to make my two quick comments and I'm going to make them brief. It, it, isn't it so 
Biakish, that you've got your, your top team, 75, two teams, six and six, one team, five and seven. We mentioned this on the show Sunday. Has anybody in the office sat down and did the tiebreaker if all these teams finished tied, all four teams finished tied at the BIAC? <laughs> because it, is it parody? Is it mediocrity? Or is it just BIAC-ish? That's That's point number one. Point number two, I'm going to eye on May 7th through May, May 7th and 8th in Huntsville, Alabama, when Ooh. Alabama AM and Valley play. They're sitting four or five right now in the SWAC. Could that series be the series that determines whether the whole state of Mississippi will get shut out of the SWAC tournament? I like the way you think. Professor Fulford. What are your thoughts? I put a lot out there. Go in the direction you want. Close out this segment. I was just wondering where that game might be played because you mentioned that game in Huntsville, oh. Alabama. Alabama A&M, obviously, they can't play in their own stadium. They're playing at, uh, they're playing at a junior college up there now. Okay. Yeah, uh, but that was just that one weekend. They're looking oh, that was for serious spots because they're not sure. Maybe they can get the minor league park where they it, held the junior uh, college has games too. Yeah. Yeah, they, so – minor league ballpark Toyota. they may be playing a couple of different places for home games so point well taken by both of you go ahead professor Wolf. yeah no no that, that was my thought because i i did have a conversation or i you know traded some texts with uh mo carter in, in huntsville uh yeah, it's a tough situation. and uh it's a tough situation uh he had a good uh package that i saw on that uh on their situation it, it'd be great to see if the community can somehow help that program and help that team rebuild. And, and that's a lot to ask on short notice. Yeah, that's the tough thing is um, you got to play these games now and it's really short notice. Go ahead, Drew, sneak something in there before we go Wait, to this last at, break. As good as high school baseball is in North Alabama and as great as some of those facilities are in North Alabama, you, they will, They could probably, if they could contract with a high school, get a facility as comparable, if not better, than their own campus facility. Because uh, baseball in Alabama, in that part of the state, is tremendous. Well, I like the way you think as well. Let's get out of here and get into this last break. We'll come back and we'll talk about some of these matchups this week. Professor Drew, I know your business to do. We'll come back and let Wolford, your teammate, if you would, uh, take us out of here. Stickers, we'll be right back after the break, and we're getting into that seventh inning stretch. We're going to go to the bullpen and take Drew out. Come on, let's go. We'll go I, right back after this I'll break. holler, y'all. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time. We are making the virtual HBCU experience available wherever you live through Stillman Online. We offer online degrees in business, criminal justice, psychology, and religion. Stillman also offers technology badges in cybersecurity and data analytics. You can participate in all student activities, fraternities and sororities, internships, graduation ceremonies, and much more. Apply for admission today at stillman.edu. Stillman College, where we prepare you for a different world. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history. 
by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best black college baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for black baseball's ultimate pride. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot of who the ball, So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention. Is he gonna do- Bel Air. Dr. Cavill's inside HBCU Sports Lab uh, with Professor Fulford. Again, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop are out on assignment. We're gonna bring it home. We wanna look at some of the big matchups. As I said, it's getting interesting to swag. We're about 25% of the way there. We've just played half of the division play, if you would, uh, before we get in the second half, before we get officially in the halfway mark and things flip. You're on the road. You are now at home. If you're at home for a series, now you're on the road. So not really seeing any type of separation. It's going to be fascinating to see is that just a matchup or is that what's going on in these divisions. But we're going to take it to the MEAC where it's really interesting. These are the matchups you have this week. Uh, in terms of Norfolk State, is on the road at Coppin. You have Maryland Eastern Shore at Delaware State. Those are the matchup, and they're playing four game sets uh, because there are only four teams, and they want to make sure they get the uh, number of games in. So instead of playing more of the tradition, you see those uh, three game sets. Uh, you go back to old school, what I used to see in the SWAC for a while, where they played four game sets. Uh, so let me go to you. Professor Fulford, what are your thoughts in terms of these matchups? Obviously, Coppin has a chance to really stretch themselves out a little bit against Norfolk State. Or can Norfolk State get back in the mix? And then you have Delaware State and Maryland East Shores tied at six and six. So do they find a way to split everything, or is somebody gonna find a way to get it? In? Where are you going? Right. That that's the funny thing. It, it, it's hard to single out one particular series because they're all so important. But I do think. <laughs> Norfolk State as the defending champs taking on Coppin, who's sitting in first place. In a matter of one weekend, whether it be by sweep or, let's see, that puts Norfolk State's two games back. So, essentially, after day one or two. Taking three out of four. Three out of four, Norfolk State's in first place probably, right? Or at least uh, sitting one game, or at least tied, worst case maybe, uh, if, I'm doing, if I'm doing the math correctly. but. Yeah, I mean, so that 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 by far is the, the the toughest game or the game that you have to watch out for. But even Delaware State's got to be thinking to themselves, they won two games in a row. Uh, they have a little bit better record than Maryland Eastern Shore. That's who should be thinking sweet because you got to be thinking, if we can sweep Maryland Eastern Shore, let Coppin and Norfolk State beat each other up, maybe even split 2-2, we win 4-0 or 3-1, all of a sudden we jump ahead into first place and might even put a game to two games 
ahead of Coppin. You know, I'm, I'm not going to call this some kind of AL East, NL East, uh, you know, baseball season. I'm not going to give it that much credit, but it is intriguing, if, you know, as we've kind of mentioned in the last segment. Again, man, I love the way you think, what you bring to the table. Let's go into the swag where it really gets interesting. One thing that is fascinating as we got this conference expansion, a lot of us very early talked about how interesting baseball could get, particularly as many people thought for the years that the power of the strength was in the West, even though you had a couple of years with Jackson State and Alabama State were able to win the tournament and show that they were strong, but overall divisions, people thought the West was deeper um, in a lot of cases. People said, watch out, it may shift to the East. In terms of pitching, you certainly see the caliber of pitching in the East. Batting is still strong in the West. But the thing that I like now, used to with the five-game sets and series, you have one weekend where a team off has off. Now you don't see that. So what you see now is everybody playing over this six-week period of time, a 12-week total season, where each weekend everybody's playing. So this weekend, you have a wide weekend here in Texas. You have Texas Southern traveling to Prairie View for a three-game set starting on Friday, and it goes Saturday and Sunday. You have Pine Bluff going to Grambling in terms of a series. And you have Southern against their rival, uh, state rival, if you would, interstate rival, uh, between Mississippi and Louisiana with Southern traveling to Alcorn. This is an Alcorn team to travel. But can they get up for Southern that just had a big sweep? Or will Southern continue to put it on there and kind of make a statement they're going to hear? And then you go to Florida. You have a, the rival there. Fam, you is on the road going to Daytona Beach with Bethune-Cookman. That could be interesting as Bethune-Cookman let one get away from Valley that we were talking about. Yeah, that Valley is Michael say Valley, yes. Then you have the Alabama series, the Alabama A&M. Going to Montgomery, Alabama State, and then you have Mississippi with Mississippi Valley State, Jackson. So you got some of these rivalries on the way. What intrigues you about the matchup this weekend, Brian? I didn't even re- – you know, I saw the two rivals. I knew Florida a and Bethune were playing, and I saw – but I didn't even process it that this is a – I mean, kudos to the schedulers. I mean, I, I guess this weekend was eventually going to happen, but kudos to them for putting it – where they did, it's right in the middle of the season. And this is a, you know, this might be a, a rivalry weekend or a separation Sunday or however you want to call it. And then when you get to that last game of the series, but my attention obviously is going to be in the East. Uh, FAMU and Bethune, one game separating first and second place. I think Alabama State should not have any trouble with AM. I, I, they should. They should sweep that series if everything holds is what Alabama AM has dealt with and how well state has played. So the question is, what is AM going to bring to Daytona Beach against Bethune? And so far, they've shown some pretty good improvements in their pitching. I've noticed that pitchers have gone deep into like uh, seven, eight inning stretches. So and that's the starting pitching. That's pretty impressive for AM over the last two series. So I'm just hoping that, again, as I said earlier, two out of three is what uh, we can take. But uh, the, the West is interesting. That Texas Southern Prairie View, that'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out. 
especially on that Sunday, because I think you may have a situation, Doc, where they split on Friday and Saturday, and it'll come down to uh, to the rubber match on uh, Sunday. Yeah, I think we've uh, hit a little pause. I think uh, A.D. Drew has uh, taken the button with us. I think we're off the air. Let's see if we can get back on here for a minute. Uh, Roy, we off? Well, my thing is saying we're still connected to the server, but I'm looking at Facebook over here, and it is it is rotating. I don't know what's going on because the system is the system is still going. Let me check YouTube All right. right quick. Let me see. Uh, well, we no, we're still on YouTube. YouTube is still live. Still on YouTube, guys. Okay, cool. Still live. So let's, let's we're about to close it out. So good job. Out there, I think we might be off Facebook, but we're on YouTube, so let's make sure that we give the YouTube viewers a full series here, and then we'll go from there. Softball, you have Howard at North Carolina Central, Coppin State at Maryland Eastern Shore, Morgan State at uh, Delaware State, and Norfolk State at South Carolina State in terms of softball. Uh, told you a little bit about um, that. Let's go to softball in terms of SWAC, Grambling State at Texas Southern. Bethune-Cookman at Alabama A&M, Alabama State at Mississippi Valley State, Prairie View at Southern, Alcorn State at Arkansas Pine Bluff, and Jackson State at FAMU. That Jackson State-FAMU rival is big. We've seen it in volleyball. We've seen it, obviously, in football. Here it goes in softball. Let's see what we can get down in terms of what that looks like. Uh, But what I wanted to ask you was more of a philosophical question. SEC uh, plays these series and they have the television and obviously it looks like the SWAC may be getting in a position where they're going to have more television for the non-revenue sports including baseball and softball Uh, but what are your thoughts of maybe if that comes along if you uh, do get a a chance to have more television that you kind of do that model SEC they'll play a series that starts on Thursday so they'll do a Thursday Friday and Saturday for three games they'll do the traditional Friday Saturday and Sunday, and then I've even seen them do a, a game or two, or at least one, uh, where they'll do a Friday, Saturday, and Monday, which means now they have five days of television uh, programming that they'll be able to put out there for the SEC network or even in partnership with ESPN in some fashion. Uh, do you think the SWAT should consider something like that? And I do this even when you think about maybe doing that for basketball where you do a Thursday, Saturday, and Monday schedule, where you have the traveling teams, you rotate, where you have one of the teams come in and play Thursday, Saturday, um, and then the other one comes in where they rotate, where it doesn't throw teams off, uh, and they do the traditional Saturday and Monday, which now means you have some television program that you can put out there for Thursday games. It's amazing the, the things that you change in your schedule to accommodate television. Uh, you know, uh, that that's what I see. You know, the fact that you have a Thursday through Saturday, you have a Friday through Sunday, so that you can balance out your days now with, with baseball, as you just mentioned, from Thursday all the way into potentially Sunday or Monday. Um, I, I think if the inventory is there and you have the opportunity to draw more eyes, I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, a, I know there are a lot of people who aren't a fan, for example, of Thursday night football 
for colleges, especially for HBCUs, because of what it takes away, which is part of the natural process. But the trade-off of that is the exposure mm-hmm. that you're giving because you're the only game and you're the main game, you're the feature game. So it's a trade-off that I, I, I hate to say we have to make. We have to make. I mean, we're not in a position where you can control the entire narrative. So if they, and especially, I was just thinking softball, for example, here's a very popular sport and we've got to do something and figure out ways to market softball better, to talk about softball more. And, I, you know, that that's just something that ha- we have to find a way to do that in, in smart, creative ways. But you also need the schools to be helpful in that process. We need the schools to let us know who are those players that are interesting. I mean, there's got to be somebody other than a Monet Davis at Hampton that is significant in the world of HBCU softball. I only know of her. Now I'm sure I, that's on me. I'm sure I can go look it up, but you know, I, so, so back to the main question about television, I, I, I would be in favor of it. I really would. I think it has to happen. It needs to happen. And uh, hopefully that, that will open up our eyes more to, to baseball, especially in the spring or summer, or I guess I should say the spring when, when our eyes, are more available because we don't have football. We don't have basketball or more popular favorite sports. So we're open to watching probably baseball and softball more. Points well taken. With that being said, let's close. Thank you for listening to Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Kabil, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. They're out on assignment. They'll join me next week as we give you more an update on the week that was and the week that will be, as they say. Again, I want to thank you for listening to Dr. Mills inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. I want to thank uh, Professor Drew, that's A.D. Drew, Professor Forford, Brian Forford, Ryan and A.D., uh, the sports rap. I want to thank them for joining me today. Make sure you check them out Sundays and Wednesdays as they do their thing traditionally. Uh, continue to watch us every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. Also, you can catch Brian or AD sneaking in on the Owen Jeep strike zone. Uh, don't want to get him in trouble there uh, as they might be looking over the shoulder. But, no, nah, he keeps it real. That's what we do around these parks. So make sure you check that. Download your My JBN, My JBN app, BCSN app. Make sure you download those. Uh, but we'll look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Inside HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. That's Facebook and YouTube. Inside HBC Sports Lab. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Brian? I'm going to turn in Drews and say, course, lecture, <laughs> there you go. Dismissed. I know Rogue.